This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, please do as there's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full paid directory listing, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of Flying Solo's best-selling book and much more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now look, today I am speaking with Michael Klim. Yes, the Michael Klim, that Michael Klim. (laughs) Hello, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. Oh, look, it's great. I'm so, so mm-hmm. excited to be speaking with you. Now, look, I, just gotta, I just got to ask you some childish questions, all right, to start with. <laughs> sure. Where, sure, sure, sure. Are Olympic gold medalist, world record holder, where do you keep your medals? Where are they? <laughs> are they in a drawer? Are they on your front door? Where do you keep them? You know, actually, my, my Sydney medals, the two gold medals, are actually at the Australian Institute of Sport at the, um, at the sports museum there. So oh, okay. they've got a special place. You know, I lived in Canberra for over eight years. My, I guess my campaign in, in, in the lead up to Sydney was really created in, out of Canberra. So um, they're in display there. But the rest of them are in my mum's cupboard. So for those oh. people that know... For those people that know where my parents live, that's, uh, that's, that's where they are. <laughs> How nice is that? All right, so mum's looking at How good is that? That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's a f- so many uh, – well, I think there's some parallels, and that's kind of what I want to explore. You know, when you were very much in the pool, uh, you, were, you were certainly a, a, a solo athlete, you know, as so many athletes mm. are. Um, yeah. At, w- d- uh, I'm just going to wind us back a little bit, though. At what point did you kind of make a decision in your life? I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to go for gold. I'm going to be an athlete. Where? What, what was? What was that process? And when did it hit you? Mm. See, for me, um, I was very fortunate that um, I found, you know, I found my passion or my drive in in, in life very early on. And for me, I've always had a I don't want to necessarily use the word love, but I, I had this, you know, this this drive for swimming that I don't know where it came from. And it was, look, I guess it, it, because of my childhood and because it was very transient and it varied quite a lot, I um, because I find, found this affinity with the, with the sport, with swimming really early on, I sort of, I kind of devoted myself to it so much so that it became my life. So, um, and, and it was certainly wasn't a sacrifice. It was my choice. And, um, but I, I, w- I am, I was in a very, I think now in re- retrospect, I look 
I consider it a, a privilege that I was able to find my passion early on because it's mm. sometimes it's that's the you know and and a lot of my choices after that um, you know became really easy. But so you know we moved around the world a lot, and um, I ended up moving to Australia when I was eleven. Um, I joined the the local swimming club in in Melbourne, just in Batman Avenue, around the corner here. Wow. And um, you know, I kept on progressing, chasing all the guys up and down the lane. And you know, I always wanted to to see how far I could go. And it's something that remained constant in my life. In my life. And um, and one year when I was fifteen, I was in Perth competing, and these two coaches, um, both uh, one from Canada, one from Russia, working for Australian swimming tapped me on the shoulder and said, we'd like for you to move to Canberra and try out and swim at the Australian Institute of Sport. Little did I know that at the time they were scouting for swimmers to represent Australia at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. And um, I met, made the hard decision. Well, actually it wasn't, it was hard for my mum <laughs> to leave home and move to Canberra. Sure. I was still in year 11. And, um, and that, the, from that point onwards, I think the rest is history, you know? So, um, Yeah. Well, you know, again, so many sort of parallels in that you, you know, you put yourself clearly through a huge amount of effort, you put yourself in the right place, you're in the right place at the right time, and someone tapped you on your shoulder. To what extent mm. now, we'll, we'll come and have a good look at your business in a moment. But, you know, you're now what in your 40s? Yeah, forty-one. Just forty-one. Yeah. Okay, just in your forties. Okay. <laughs> and so your your comp your competitive career ended at what sort of age? How old were you when you when you stopped swimming competitively? Well, I originally um, I originally retired when I was uh, when I was twenty nine, and then right. I um, and I made another comeback for for the London Games. And yes, un- that's right. Well, unsuccessful in a in a sense that I didn't make it to London, but. Um, so yeah, I re- I retired twice. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, it's successful yeah, yeah. that you came back, and again, yeah, exactly business parallels. Mm-hmm. So you know, roughly ten years ago, you you come, yeah. you know sport, and obviously it's a, it's a young person's career. Mm. Yeah. At uh, uh, what stage? I mean, did somebody tap you on the shoulder then and said, "Hey, Michael, what about business?" Or at what point did you start thinking, "Okay, I need to." I need to move somewhere else and I'm going to start a business. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For me, it, it was the time was very, um, it's very vivid and very distinct in the sense that I, I started having injuries. I started not being able to. I think I was always mentally stronger than I was probably physically, you know, and I probably pushed my body to, to certain limits where at the end there was, you know, kind of failing a, li- a little bit and I wasn't really and then the frustration started getting to, uh, you know, to me personally. And mm. I could see that, you know, the youngsters were some great swimmers at the time. And, you know, uh, Eamon Sullivan was kind of reaching the top of, of, of 100 freestyle. And there was Andrew Lauderstein. There was a few other guys that were sure. much young, 10 years younger than me and swimming much quicker. So I, I decided to start planning for life after sport. And, you know, and I look at it now and it's, you know, in the modern age, a lot of people have three or four career changes. And, in their lifetime and it was almost like a it was almost like i now you know considered it more of a career change or a move because i physically couldn't do the job that i enjoyed doing but um yeah so i I planned for it i had i was fortunate that i had great people around me from family management um and you know and obviously we'll talk about business later but you know um i found a passion in growing a brand and using you know the Obviously, the assets that I had from my personal brand and, you know, I guess the, my learnings from sport, which, yep. you know, I quite, 
quite important and I still fall back on them all the time. And, uh, and then, you know, and I, I never thought I'd be in a, a skincare entrepreneur, but it's, it's, you know, having those learnings, having that passion. And, and for me, you know, I had an incidental kind of insight into what, a, you know, to be a product sometimes for Braun and in Nintendo and how to market things. So, you know, I think it, and also probably something that is really important. When I was in Canberra, I learned how to be resourceful. Um, you know, I had the best coaches, best physiologists, best dietitians. But unless you know how to use those people, you're not going to get anything out of them. So I think I've, I, you know, I think that attitude I tried to implement into life after sport as well. Yeah. Okay. So, but there was never any doubt then, by the sounds of it, in your mind that you were going to be starting your own business. You know, I mean, there's because no, okay. yeah, I don't, I don't think there was because I, I, I realized that I had to do something after sport, and uh, it is very easy. Uh, you know, I do have a swim school, and it's majority of the, of swimmers fall back onto either coaching or or learn to swim, and it's something that because it's a it's a natural progression. Hmm. Um, but I felt that I had more to offer as well. So, um, you know, the, the whole skincare story is quite an interesting one as well. But I felt that I wanted to do something else besides, um, you know, besides Besides the obvious. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, um, so we'll, we'll have a little look at your, your business at the moment. But do you feel a pressure? Because I'm sure there must be a pressure. As someone so well-known, you know, somebody who is a celebrity, uh, a world-renowned sports person, going into business, do you feel that as a pressure? Like, do you feel like you have to win in business as well? Uh, look, I, I think there's a pressure, but it's a little bit different pressure. Um, you know, I think people expect that in our position – or in, in, in the position of a known person that things happen and, and they, you know, we get privileges and, you know, there are certainly some pros and, you know, and in, in, in running a business where you have a profile, but at the end of the day, especially with consumer goods, you know, you are, you are still delivering a product. You're still trying to, you know, you're delivering on a promise. So, you know, you're probably heard more often and people are, more likely to listen to your story and what you've created, what it's taken to get to that stage. But at the end of the day, if I'm uh, selling something, I, you know, I was always, you know, and I've luckily we've stood the test of time and, you know, just ticked over 10 years. If that product didn't deliver on what we said it would, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah, got you. Yeah, okay, fair point. And do you, to what extent? And we'll say so we'll definitely get onto your business in a sec. To what extent mm. are do you find yourself thinking back, maybe to the words or teachings of your coaches, of people around you, in your business? You know, what 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 did you learn back there that you're still bringing with you to your kind of everyday? I think probably the biggest thing is resilience. Um, from you know, in sport. That's one thing that resonated always is, you know, resilience from fatigue, from mentals, you know, it's like, uh, I guess, not always battles in terms of, you know, not achieving personal best times or, you know, sometimes there is injuries, et cetera. So I think being resilient and it's really important. And also in business, I find there is, you know, there's probably more, <laughs> more adversity in business than there is the, those positive uplifting times. And, you know, I found that because I've kind of been exposed to 
you know, sport isn't all rosy. You know, there's only there's only less than one percent of people that win Olympic gold, or even that. So it's there is a lot of you know people that do it for the right reasons, for the love of the sport, for the skill of it. And I think the same with same with business. I found that is you know the resilience of the ability to come back um, day after day, even if I had good or bad news um, or something that got me through it. Yeah, okay. You made a, an interesting point there that you say that, um, and and it's a good observation that in business, you know, we our our resilience is being kind of challenged regularly, perhaps even more regularly than than uh, elite sport, which was interesting. Yeah. But do you think part of that is the fact that what we tend not to do in business is is kind of celebrate our wins? You know, when you're when you're in a pool and you're racing. Um, there's, it's, it's probably much more frequent, particularly when you're successful, like, like you are, you mm. were, um, that you have a lot of wins, but in business, do you think that we just sort of power through and we often don't s- just pause and acknowledge what we're achieving? Well, I think it's acknowledgement and, you know, I was always one for analysis and I was always one for numbers and, and also, um, for setting sort of periodization and goal setting and things like that. And, and I think when in business, I think it is, you should really reward times where you hit certain numbers or you hit certain, you have wins. Um, you know, it doesn't change the day to day business, but I think it's great to acknowledge those, those things. Um, and especially if it just, you know, I think it's, it does help with with setting goals and benchmarks and and keep the business on course because if you don't have those those benchmarks and goals where you're heading to it's a lot i've i found it really difficult until we sort of became a a business that had proper corporate governance and had proper cash flow projections budgets etc it was really tricky for us to know what was success or what wasn't because it was just because a product's on the shelf at a major retailer that doesn't mean it's successful. So, um, so I think. But once you do get some of those wins, it is great to be acknowledged, especially not just for myself personally, but for all the people around you that are part of this journey. Um, not necessarily always people that are within the business, but family and friends, etc. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it's uh, interesting you mentioned there. You know, that it's kind of when you've um, early on when you introduce checks and checks and measures, and then you are able to really kind of quantify your success that it started to really make sense for you. And I think your observation there that uh, certainly quite a few people in small business we don't do enough of that. You know, in the mm. in some ways we we perhaps wrongly celebrate the success when actually, as you rightly said, just getting something on a shelf. You know, yes, that's a success, but it's kind of meaningful when they actually move off the shelves and you put more of them back yeah. on them. But um, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah, mentioned absolutely. or you, you kind of alluded to a team there. And obviously within your swimming career, you've already acknowledged, you know, people around you. To what extent uh, do you call on a team in your business and how important is that to you? Well, to me, um, it became very evident that for us as a, as a business to grow, um, I needed to have people around me that had, you know, had different skills. And, you know, for me, for example, I, you know, <laughs> never had tertiary education, never had an experience in retail, any of that. I, I sort of, I was kind of learning on the job a little bit. So, um, you know, for anyone with, with aspirations of growing, um, 
in a business further or going to the next level, I, I felt that I was in that position and I needed to, you know, for example, get, get a, an, a finance expert to run my finance. Uh, you know, I had a, someone with great sales experience to be head of sales and with marketing experience to, to support me with marketing. So, um, and it was very similar to that structure at the IS, you know, where you had head coaches and physiologists, biomechanists, bi- bi- et cetera. So people with, you know, with strength and knowledge and experience can add so much more value than just you trying to do it all yourself. Yeah. And I guess, you know, in that stage of your career, you know, you were, you were very much the product, whereas now, you know, mm. you're, you're the product owner. So look, let, we, we better get onto your business because it's, <laughs> it's such a great business that you've got. And I haven't even mentioned the name of it yet. So Milk and <laughs> Co is the name of it. Um, yeah. it's primarily, it's, it's kind of, uh, skin products, it's health products for men. Would that be right? Or how would you describe it? Well, well, we actually, um, we now offer products, uh, skincare products for men, women, and babies. Um, with actually, uh, in the last sort of 18 months with our baby offer becoming probably the most, um, successful in terms of, um, revenue and also into into the countries that we sell into so um, yeah over time you know it was it, I created the brand because I felt there was a need for Aussie men um, for a product that was cre- created by another another Aussie bloke that um, understood the harsh Aussie climate the uh, you know the UVA UVB rays guys that were active that were outdoors you know from tradies to sports people etc so um, and yeah, there was there wasn't really that much of it around at the time. It was just after the GFC identified that there was opportunity to to plug in a product that was you know Aussie guys would identify with. There was someone that probably behind it that they could also relate to. Um, and yeah, we launched with three SKUs with uh, Intermeyer at the time and. Um, and it, it, to be honest, positioning the brand in Maya wasn't a great success for us, but yeah. um, we identified that and we, you know, we grew the brand further into more of a mass, mass market distribution through pharmacy and, and grocery. But um, it was just identifying you know, that, okay, it was great to have a retailer like Maya on board, but you know, I'm, I'm men or tradies going to go shopping in Maya after the big <laughs> long day of I work. Guess not. So, that wasn't, that was, you know, so we've grown, we've learned and, you know, we're now available in 16 different countries and, you know, with major partners like Chemist Warehouse and Woolworths and Sephora, et cetera. So um, the brand has definitely progressed with all our products The baby products are being natural and women's men's products do carry it sunscreens as well. So, um, and the baby's one as well, the most natural sunscreen you can get. So we pride ourselves on being, you know, almost the best that Australia can offer um as well as being good for you and full of the good stuff and um yeah so i think it's it's trying to guess i guess from my point of view make our lives more livable and Mm. you know so we can get outside and enjoy the outdoors and be active and be with our kids and whatever sure so that, that was my motivation (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and it's and it's mm. such a such a fitting product for you, mm. but you know, again, I, I just like to go back to kind of day one. I saw, I don't know why I have this image of you, you know, sitting by the edge of the pool, just got out, swimmers on, a whole lot of skin being exposed to the sun, 
you know, with your head in your hands, saying, oh, what shall I do? What shall I do? What business shall I start? <laughs> you know, was it, was it, did you agonize or was it, oh my God, this, I've got to do this? Oh, uh, look, it was actually um, coincidental because there was a couple, there was two skincare brands that approached me to help them with some ambassadorial role within two months. And I thought there's, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a reason why these people here. have, <laughs> and, you know, I've always shaved my head. I've always had a, as you said, expo- a lot of exposed skin. And, um, and yeah, so I, I thought there was, and I was quite partial to always using products and I've had to look after my skin for years, you know, swimming in, in pools and chlorinated pools and swimming outdoors. So it wasn't foreign to me. So I just, you know, and, and through, I had friends in the industry and, um, so yeah, I decided to, um, to have a go and, and create something of my own. Mm, okay. All right. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. I, and I love the way <laughs> that you, you read the signals, you know, when people are coming to you from outside saying, Hey, Michael, we'd like your, your image and your name on our product. You know, it's mm. some people would just kind of take that and, yeah. and just carry on. But you've obviously thought, mm, hello, there's, there's, you know, someone's trying to tell me something here and you've, you've grabbed- yeah. You know, you grabbed it, and yes, ten years on. I mean, gosh, that that's a hugely successful business. Mm. You know, bite into the fact that you survived ten years, let alone expanded. You know, around the world the way you have. So, well, let's just have a look. Um, this is all far too positive. So let's go. That I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> let's have a look uh, at some challenges. You know, ten years of running sure. a business, you must have faced some challenges. What sort of things do you recall facing, and and do you remember how you pushed through? How did your resilience help you? Uh, look, there's been there's been a lot of different challenges throughout the journey. Um, Early on, um, I guess not really having the knowledge. My finance knowledge was really was really <laughs> small, and and investing money and constantly, I guess, dipping into my savings into trying to keep the business afloat because I didn't understand cash flow. I didn't understand what was coming in, what was what was going out. So um, that was a cha- challenging period where I, you know, I. I thought I had a successful business where we had in, in quite a number of stores and, you know, people were really receiving it well, but for whatever reason, we weren't making money. Well, we knew that now I know the reason was that I just, you know, obviously <laughs> the uh, the ledger wasn't quite right. But um, yep. so, you know, and then, you know, I went through the full cycle of borrowing money from family to then, you know, reaching out to private equity and et cetera, et cetera. But um, so really making, I think not, the financial times make it difficult because obviously as a business owner, I had to, you know, make sure that my staff were paid. I was, you know, payroll was done and, and that became really stressful when, you know, we a couple of times we got pretty close to not being able to pay everyone. Um, I didn't take a wage for quite some, quite some time as well. And, and most people that start their own business don't take a wage for a while, and it's uh, and it becomes a, it becomes a tricky period. So, um, so that was uh, you know I probably distinctly remember two or three times where you know times were so tough that we've had to make either had to let a couple of people go or make mm. significant adjustments in our business um, to to get through that. 
Yeah, and tell me when, uh, and it's you know painful, and thank you, well, thank you for sharing that because not everybody likes to, but you know, I think it's to to our listeners. Uh, you know, we know what that feels like because a mm. number of our audience are people that are working by themselves. Then, whilst we may not have huge businesses, the revenue we create is very important, often to our family, to our household. So, mm. you know, if there is a cash flow business, well, you know, as you kind of said, you don't pay yourself or you don't eat so well. So mm. where did you um, where did you kind of go to to seek that help? Did you did you find it yourself? Did you go externally and upskill? You know, or did you to some extent was it um, did you kind of hear the voices of your past coaches just for, you know, suggesting push through, Michael, you know, you can do this. What, what gave you the strength in those times? Um, look, probably sometimes <laughs> initially I think the naivety for me actually got me through it because I didn't understand sometimes the enormity of, of you know, the things we were getting ourselves into. And, um, but I definitely, you know, reached out for, for help and people within not necessarily the skincare industry, but people that have been in retail and understood potentially the struggles or, you know, how to optimize, you know, a small business like what we, what we had. Um, I knew that if we wanted to grow at, at you know, I need there's at sometimes I needed extra money or if I needed a loan or if how to restructure it or in terms of, or employment, um, so yeah, it was. It's I think all the above what you mentioned before. To be yeah. honest, it's not one or the other. So um, and yeah, so I think it, we, there's some a lot of key learning through the journey. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, you you don't just run your business. I mean, not not only have you built this very successful business over the last ten years, you also do a lot of charity work. You mentioned uh, your swim school. I think you have more than one swim school. How do you how do you keep it all together? You know, you you're you're in your early forties. You've got you've got a you know we've got a long way to go. How do you <laughs> how do you maintain your balance? Look, I you know, and my other job is you know the father of three as well. So you know, it's probably that's 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 um, that's a full time job in itself. And um, look, I balance is important, but I I think it's and I've and that's something that I only really identified. Um, while I had the business, because you know there was um, there was periods in when we you know when probably four or five years ago where um, you know I was probably running on empty, trying to do long hours, being flying all around the place, and you know doing doing appearances and running the business, trying to be a dad, etc. And and you know it is very difficult to do that. So self management for me became really important. Um, so recently, and they're also prioritizing things. I, I was always a yes person and rather do more than I possibly could. And then, you know, eventually they would catch up with me. And, um, so I think I've, I've learned to prioritize. I've learned to look after myself better. <laughs> um, you know, and I think people think, oh, it's a selfish approach when you take time for yourself, but it's actually not because it's, you know, people around you benefit from, a more effective, more rested, more productive person. Um, everything from a business point of view to a personal um, area as well. So I, I found that for me, that's been probably the um, you know the most sort of important time where I just sort of take time for myself, do the things that I enjoy, 
and then I, I managed to be able to fit all the other things in as well. Yeah, that, and that's such a such a great discipline and such a good point. That, and as you say, sometimes I I find that. Um, you know, a number of us just think we kind of don't deserve to take time out or or spend time at the gym or spend time training because we, we've, you know, we're supposed to be in front of our computer and doing our work. Mm. Clearly not the case. You know, you're, you're someone who obviously recognizes that, uh, you know, the, your business needs the best version of Michael Klim. Mm. You know, and that mm. person is the person that trains and balances and spends time with kids and, and gives yeah gives your time very generously, I know, to a lot of charities as well. So what about, let's have a little book, little look towards the future. You know, I've mentioned your age a few times. You've, you've, your business is 10 years old. Uh, what do you see down the track for you? Where, how far ahead do you look? Look, I'm, I'm at the moment, you know, we've gone through a very exciting period within our business where we've had another transition um, with a new partner, a new investor to come on board with, Taking the brand to very much a global scale through into the into the Asian market, um, specifically China. So we're we're on a very exciting trajectory at the moment. So I really would like to see all those you know things come to fruition because it's obviously um, this is kind of like my fourth baby really as well. Um, and so it it is. I do feel a sense of pride with the business. So. Um, there, yeah, so I think for the, you know, I, there is almost like an unfinished kind of um, chapter that, that I'd like to see um, see accomplished within the Milk & Co business. So become established within with China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, uh, countries that we've, we've got footprints in, but we're not probably all that, um, all that strong. Um, and then look, for me, the other passions are still health and wellness and fitness. So, I mean, I actually facilitate it. Uh, a couple um, uh, health camps, as you can you can call them, called chosen experiences, where we work on lifestyle optimization, becoming that best version of yourself. You know, uh, learning about nutrition, learning about rest, learning about mindfulness, yoga, etc. But then still having fun through surfing, adventure, mm. adre- adrenaline-seeking activities. So uh, that's something that I I do enjoy, and and I guess passing on some of my you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it knowledge, but my experiences and 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 through some key learnings that people um, you know can benefit from. So yeah. um, I think, and then yeah, just being being a present dad is something that I look forward to to <laughs> to doing as well. Yeah, that's great. And look, uh, when you say when you when you talk about you know China as a as a new market for you, I mean, gosh, that's a new big market, presumably potentially a massively lucrative market for you. How does it feel when you sort of get off a plane in Shanghai or somewhere and realise that you're still recognised, you're very recognisable in your? Does it does a little part of you still kind of tingle and pinch yourself? Oh, look, it, it's certainly, you know, there are some countries that are more fanatical than others. Um, you know, some follow swimmers more than others as well. And it's, um, luckily, I, I haven't really changed my look too much. So, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly great. And then people, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to be in a couple of iconic races with, you know, that people still remember. So, um, you know, it, it's, I'm in a very lucky and privileged position. So. Mm. Um, yeah, no, not, I must say it's, uh, 
the Chinese tend to follow the Chinese very well. Uh, <laughs> we're, um, they've had a really good sort of, in the last 10 years, they've come, obviously had a bunch of gold medalists come through, but um, they don't tend to recall the uh, the Sydney Olympics too oh, much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, look, my, uh, getting sort of near to the close, well, I'd love to just ask you a question about your children. I know your, your kids are very, very important to you. Do you, when you look at them now, do you do you see any of your kids that are following in a similar trajectory to you? Do you think, oh my gosh, where did you come from? And what's 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 your view when you look at your children? They're yeah, quite young look, still, I, right? Yeah, they yeah. are quite young. It's funny. I've got a seven, ten, and twelve-year-old. It's quite weird that um, how sometimes history does repeat itself. Because I was I was an expat kid. I travelled around the world and. You know, my kids have spent the last six years living outside of Australia. So, and they've, you know, they've been exposed to a bunch of different cultures and obviously, um, so, but it's the, the thing that I've, I haven't really seen any of them find, you know, swimming hasn't become like their, their passion or their love. Like I, I found swimming, but they've, they've found others, which is, which is absolutely fine for me. It's as long as they have something that, that, you know, give, you know, they learn how to devote themselves, you know, gives them that drive. Um, and yeah, so, you know, my son loves his tennis, actually. Mm. Um, you know, my, my oldest daughter does horse riding. And so there's different sort of, um, which is actually quite a very expensive sport. As a, as a, <laughs> yeah, as a, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, so for me, it's more if they, I just like to see them see things through. You know, mm. that's probably the most, uh, you know, most important because it's, you know, it's very easy sometimes in, in those cultures to just to give up when things get a little bit tough. And, and it's, they're getting to a stage now where potentially they'll start having disappointments, missing teams or not having things go, go their own way or missing out on social occasions, etc. So um, it will be interesting to see if any of them, uh, you know, have got that, that willpower to, oh, not necessarily willpower, but. Um, whatever the passion is that they want to continue. Yeah. So well, it won't yeah. it be interesting. I mean, fantastic. <laughs> and I and I, I must say, I do love the fact that you're not. Doesn't sound like you're you're nudging or pushing them in any particular direction. You're very very much sounds like you're letting them find their their own path and their own passion, which is you know fantastic. So look, it's been wonderful speaking with you. I thank you so much for joining us. So thank you, Robert. If we want to find out more about your business and have a good look at you, we head to milkandco.com.au. Correct. Um, yep. Everything that you're up to. So, look, the, the next few years are going to be interesting. I can tell you're itching to t- say something else. What else have you got? <laughs> no, I just wanted to thank you for your time. And, you know, I think it's a lot of, um, especially running your own business, it sometimes can be, or having your own business or being your own business is, can be a little bit, not a little bit, but can be very daunting and, but also very rewarding at the same time. So, I think it's, uh, you know, it, I think there's a lot of people that have walked in these sort of foot, footsteps and it's, it's great to be able to, to share some of my, my story and hopefully um, either motivate someone to, you know, to, to do great and better things. 
I think so, most definitely. And uh, yeah, I just I love the image still of, of your your mother looking after your uh, all your awards like that. I think that's, <laughs> you must be a very proud woman. So, Michael Cliff, thank you very much for joining us. And before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, flying solo gets you premium membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just ninety nine dollars. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.